Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always a pleasure to have you here. We have a great lineup of, of guests today, and my next guest is going to tell us a little bit about what it's like to to own and uh, and uh, work with uh, a franchise group. Uh, Brinson Smith is the director of franchise sales at You Break I Fix, an electronic device repair franchise, and I'll let him tell you the rest. Uh, Brinson, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. It's good to be um, here. My, yeah, my pleasure. And you're calling in what from the it looks like a Florida area code? Is that right? I I am. I'm calling in from Orlando, Florida. Absolutely. Where Where are you located, Bill? Good old Orlando. Uh, if you take your finger and put it on a map halfway between San Francisco and Los Angeles on the coast, that's where I am. Exactly nice. halfway in between nice. San Luis Obispo area, uh, Avila Beach. Uh, this is a little town I'm in. Uh, great spot, and then I grew up in in South Florida in Boynton Beach and Delray Beach. So okay. um, I know Orlando very yeah. well. It's a great great spot. So tell us a little bit about awesome. you and and your background, and really, I guess, uh, how did you get into the the world of franchises? What did you do before that, and what what gave you kind of the idea? You know, I think I want to do this with my life. Yeah, good question. So actually, it came into the company through my lovely wife. My wife uh, is her her best friend is the founder's wife of You Break I Fix. And um, I got to know our founder and CEO, Justin Weatherall, really well back in around 2012, uh, when I when I met my wife. And his concept was so interesting that I was looking – actually, at the time when I met Justin, I was looking to franchise myself. I was looking at businesses that um, were I, – I would call Amazon-proof. Um, I had worked through the 2008-2009 Great Recession, so I was looking for something also that was recession-proof, service-based business, ideally. And I was really enamored with You Break, I Fix once I met Justin. And I was about to move forward with two franchise locations in Orlando, and as convincing as Justin is, he basically convinced me to stay at Ubreak and hired me instead. So I came on board with Ubreak I Fix actually back in 2014. Uh, we had around somewhere around 55 to 60 locations at the time, and uh, yeah, still here. So uh, it's been a it's been a fun ride over the last seven years. So uh, to put matters in perspective, our listeners are typically business owners age 50 plus who are maybe considering uh, the exit of their business in the next few years and oftentimes considering just a change in their life. Maybe you know, they, they don't sure. want to necessarily retire as much as they want to rewire. 
right? So they just want to change right. things up. I like that. And as yeah, and as they look for other opportunities, uh, one of the opportunities that likely wasn't available when they started their first business many years ago was a franchise operation. Right. And so right. Uh, what I'd like to do uh, to, in the next few minutes is to have you kind of um, just for those who have never approached looking at a franchise, um, but they've looked maybe at other businesses to acquire that are personally owned businesses, right? So what's the big right. difference uh, when uh, when you approach someone to say, hey, why don't you look at a U-break, you, you iFix? What's in you? In your uh, pitch book, if you will, what can you offer someone uh, uh, that want, might want to look at buying a business as a franchise as opposed to um, uh, Joe's Plumbing? Sure. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a I think it's a fair question. I think you know when you start a business from scratch, you know I think there's a bunch of different opportunities out there. There's a bunch of different ways to take a product to market. But when you look at taking a product to market. Franchising is basically a vehicle to do that. And, you know, one of the reasons why I love franchising is the franchisor can essentially, you know, partner up with people that have relationships in their community. They know their market. They know their area. Uh, they have the, you know, the capitalization to move forward. And it gives the franchisor the ability to really support and pour into that franchisee and help catapult them much quicker as opposed if that was that franchisee was moving forward with the business on their own uh, especially going into a new industry or a new space you know our space to give you an example there are a lot of different franchises out there that you could start um, or, or I'm sorry businesses that you could start and you could look at it and go well I could start this business over here but I could franchise but really what are the benefits of franchising I could do this myself technically. What are the pros and cons? And I think when you look at a business like you break I fix, to give you an example, we have partnerships throughout the US that somebody starting their business from scratch just could not attain. They could they they couldn't get them. You know, we're partnered with Samsung, we're partnered with uh with Google, we're partnered with Assurian. So we have tons of business uh, every single month that we're pushing into our franchisee uh, owners doors where franchise owners they're not doing anything to receive that business other than you, you know flying the banner flying the flag the you break i fix banner and that's pretty cool the fact that we're able to push that much volume into uh, the franchisees uh, doors i i think that's a really big part of uh, looking at franchising is is what does the partnership landscape look like and what does that corporate support look like and and you actually um, you know made me think with your question about our owner group like we have a lot of owners in our system that have multi-unit franchising experience you know they're diversifying their portfolio but believe it or not the majority of the owners in our system um, you know I call corporate refugees people that you know, have a career, 10, you know, 20, 30-year career in corporate America. They're looking to, you know, not necessarily retire, but maybe retire from a corporate gig and, and, and you know, build a business going into their, you know, as you mentioned, their 50s and 60s and potentially sell it, you know, look at a, an opportunity on the back end to, you know, to sell that business or pass it on as like a legacy business to their, to their children. So I think franchising makes a lot of sense for people that kind of fall into that corporate refugee category because 
you know, when you, when you franchise a business, you're buying into a business that, that has, if you're buying into the right franchise, you're buying into a business that has recognition, it has scale, people are aware of the brand, there's a lot of value there. And on the back end, I think smart money looks at what does it cost to get into the business? But if I ever sell this thing on the back end, what does that look like as well? Um, and I think franchising is, is definitely a good, a good thing to look at you know, on that front. So um, hopefully that Very helps. good point. Yeah. No, no. So you have, you, you, you set a mouthful there. So Brinson, you're talking about, you, you know, you're capturing the, the big, the capital letter branding. Okay. Which is you, right. you've, the, you've been at work at, at franchise headquarters, being these huge relationships that my, if I started on my own to, you know, bills fix it, there's no way I'm going to get those. And plus, I don't want them because it's probably going to overwhelm me, you know, if I got a Samsung account or a Serian, like you said. So that's the big B of branding. Now, of course, I'm going to be working on the little B of branding in my local area as well, but with the tools sure. that you've developed at, at headquarters. And secondly is uh, the, it's a known and tested model and commodity, and I'm catching it midstream, not from the beginning, rolling something up the hill, and that gives me the ability on the back end to to get out of it Correct. Um, as well. So I think those are all huge points. And then, you know, when when I get the franchise, I don't just get a pat on the back and good luck. It's I get a big, pretty like a, I want to say the the box, right? The box, the business Correct. in the box we all yep. call franchises, which has, like you said, other cut, other um, owners that you probably have a discussion or forum or support group that you can get the best practices from other owners. What else? What else? What other types of support uh, would people expect to get? Yeah, and it, I think the best thing for for all the listeners to know is, I mean, we we meet we meet our franchisees where they're at. You know, we have a lot of franchisees that come in, and again, they've, you know, we've got a a gentleman in our system today that has a you know a hundred plus hair salons, and got another owner that has over a hundred Verizon stores, and you know, so there are owners in our system that are very sophisticated. They have a lot of experience and. They might need less hand-holding right out of the gate. That's okay. But on the flip mm-hmm. side, we could have a brand-new owner that, you know, they've, they've worked for a company for, for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Or it could be a younger owner coming out of college, partnering with their, you know, their father, something like that. And it's a new venture for them. And, you know, everything's brand new. So, you know, a good franchise is going to meet the franchisee where they're at and they are going to supply the training wheels on the bike. They're going to support you through the opening process. One of the, you know, to give you an example of that, um, real estate is a new thing for a lot of people. Um, You know, signing a commercial lease, uh, I will say that we are in a better environment right now today uh, for a new franchisee to to enter into a retail-type franchise business um, when you look at just the lease landscape. Um, it, It is the pandemic has really flipped the landscape from a, a landlord-dominated uh, market to really more so a tenant-dominated market. So there's a lot of negotiables and things that we're able to do. Uh, so it's actually a really good time. And our business in general, when you look at the pandemic, you know, our business is significantly up. You know, when you look at 2020 versus where we were prior years, our, our, our business actually did very well throughout 2020. It was very resilient. 
Um, and, and that's another a positive thing. So, again, to get to the – I guess the point I was trying to make is a lot of our owners have never signed a lease before, and they've never navigated that, that whole build-out process and how that works. So we're there to hold our owner's hand through the process and, and again, supply that support through the process, um, everything from getting the store open to once the store is open, we have operational, you know, training support, and then we have an operational business team that's assigned to the franchisee stores as well that's there to look at, you know, the, you know, to look at the, um, you know, the P&L and make sure the business is all the, the different indicators and KPIs that we look at to make sure that we're supporting the franchisee through that process. So there's really support um, on the front end, also on the back end. And again, we like to meet our owners really, you know, where they're at and, and, and give them the support that they need based on their background and experience. Let me hit you with a question that I, I would think our, sure. some of our listeners might be thinking of. Um, and that is, you know, if I had a, if I had a subway, for instance, I'll just use another big, big, you know, franchise name. Sure. And if I had a subway and my sandwich makers, <laughs> my sandwich makers, all called in sick, I think I could probably go down there and I'd, I'd, I'd have a miserable long day, but I could probably make sandwiches. But if my technicians get sick, I don't know how to fix a radio or a cell phone or or a computer. <laughs> uh, what happens? Uh, how how <laughs> that does that? give anybody pause for thought it's like you know i don't i don't know about the the working in it i don't want to really work in it i want to i want to own the the thing in the first place um but how do you um i'm sure you get that question from some people what what are your uh, answers to that yeah and the first yeah and to to be candid the first time i ever got that question was in really 2020 um due to you know the environment in 2020 um, and there were some stores across the country and in retail in general, right? Like everybody was impacted, uh, by, by, by COVID. Right. Um, and, you know, we did have some stores where an employee gets sick and, you know, he, you know, has a cough or something like that. And then the other employees are like, oh man, you, you know, uh, Timmy has a cough or I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to come in today. And And that was just a situation that everybody dealt with, whether you, you know, whether you were a subway or whether you were, you know, in the food space, you were a retailer, you know, you're, you know, Best Buy, it doesn't matter, the retailer, everybody was dealing with, you know, employee issues, uh, especially at that time. Things have gotten a lot better now. Um, and in fact, in general, like I've talked to pretty much most of our owners and most of our owner through, you know, 2020 and most of our owners, you know, they'd have an employee or two that would call out, they got sick, they'd go get tested, which is the right thing to do. But it wasn't a situation where the whole, you know, typically the whole store is just saying, hey, we're not coming to work today. Um, you know, that's very uncommon. Uh, but I guess right. to answer your question, let's say you had a, a, a scenario where, you know, all your employees said they're not going to show up to work. You know, that would be one of those things where you, the owner, could go in. We do encourage our owners to have an understanding of, you know, the process, the repair process, how everything works. But at the same time, in our system, you do not have to be an owner that that does repair. Uh, we have a lot of owners that have other businesses, and they don't right. repair devices, but they do understand our product. They do understand the service. And, and I always recommend our owners go in. Uh, our training system is really top-notch and go in with an open mind, even if you're not a techie person, 
at least learn the business and understand it, even if you're not doing repairs, because it helps you mm -hmm. hold your employees accountable. It helps you just run a better business. So, uh, yeah, it would be tough. Like if all of your employees just decided they weren't going to show up, uh, that would be tough, I think, in any business. I mean, even if you were running a subway, like I think it would be challenging as the owner. Right. Yes. Yeah. My, and my point was, uh, and you brought it up too, is that you have a, a training program, and I'm sure there are, um, you know, I, I mean, look, if you lost all your employees in a in a sandwich shop, you can teach people how to make a sandwich pretty quickly, right? I mean, sure. people go through sure. revolving door. Is it more difficult um, finding, or there are a lot of um, young people out there that are looking for that have this uh, technical um, abilities? To, to work in a you break I fix and how how detailed is the training program I guess yeah a good question I think one other thing to add to that too most of our owners are multi-unit uh, franchise owners so when you have you know when you have two locations to give you an example or three it's easy for you like let's say you had an employee issue what typically happens is owners will pull employees from one location and they will move them to the other when you mm -hmm. just only have one location in any franchise, it puts you in a different position because you're reliant on everything within the four walls. So I like, you know, I like multi-unit opportunities where owners come in and they do two or more because, you know, you can share parts and people, and I think there's a benefit there. Right. But to, to, answer, to answer your question, most of our employees, um, and this is kind of, I guess, crazy to think about, we don't hire for the tech background, meaning when we're hiring our employees, we're not placing ads out there saying electronic repair technician wanted. Um, and one of the reasons why we don't do that is we found that a lot of times when you're hiring people that have prior electronic repair experience, they have bad habits. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of times they're stuck in their ways. And I don't want to stereotype here, but sometimes when you're looking at really techie people, sometimes they lack the customer service experience mm -hmm. and the ability to connect with a customer. And you have to put yourself in the shoes of a customer walking in. I've got uh, two kids. I have a toddler, and my toddler actually just broke one of my devices not long ago. And, you know, when my toddler throws my device off the wall and I've got a shattered iPhone, I'm walking into the U-Break iFix. I'm not upset at U-Break. You know, I'm not mad. I'm not really frustrated with them. I'm more relieved that they're in my market and can serve me. But I'm also not walking in fist pumping like I would be if I was going to eat, a, a, you know, a burrito at Chipotle, right? Like, it's just a different experience. So having that person, um, and this really, to answer the question, we hire people with customer service experience, people that might have been a hostess at a Cheesecake Factory. They a background at AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint. They've worked at Best Buy. Believe it or not, our founder, Justin Weatherill, was a blue shirt at Best Buy. He worked at Best Buy prior. And then one of our co-founders worked for seven years prior at Circuit City. So, you know, having that experience, being able to make eye contact with the customer. Um, and, and one other thing, you made me think of this with the subway um, analogy, Subway is going to see, you know, if you're looking at a Subway or a Zaxby's or a Starbucks or, you know, a, a business, they're going to get a lot of high volume, anywhere from 400 to 1,200 customers today with an average ticket, usually under 10 bucks. In our business, we're going to see anywhere from 15 to maybe 60 customers a day. So the, in, in the average ticket is significantly higher than that. 
and the interaction with that customer is much longer. So it's really, again, important for us to have somebody that, that um, you know, that has that background in customer service. And I guess one other thing to, to say here that I think is important, when you look at most franchise businesses out there, most franchises, the, you know, the 2,000-plus different franchise opportunities on the IFA website, uh, most of them are hiring millennials. Like, it's just when you look at the job, you know, the, the force of millennials out there, that's where most of the hiring is going to be, depending on what the franchise concept is. Most millennials grew up playing Sega Dreamcast, Xbox, PlayStation, you know, right. they grew up with a cell phone. So they're techie people by default. Even if a millennial can't fix a phone walking in, they're, they're, they're users point. of tech. They understand it, and they learn very, very quickly. And they're also not going to go home at the end of the day. And I'm not knocking, you know, food, but they're not going to go home smelling like a hamburger or pizza or, <laughs> you know, they're in a, right. an air-conditioned environment, right? And I think that that's a huge, you know, a huge plus for a lot of people that, you know, young people that are looking for a job, maybe right out of college or something like that. So, Excellent. Excellent, yeah, you know, excellent points. Uh, you, you really, uh, really uh, turned into a very interesting interview, and uh, it's an interesting idea <laughs> for a, a franchise, and I wish you all the best of luck. And for listeners, if you want to get in touch with Brinson, you can uh, email him at B. Smith at ubreakifix. That's the letter U, break, B-R-E-A-K, the letter I, and fix, F-I-X, U breakifix.com or franchising at youbreakifix.com or call them at 321-445-8810. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to have you on. I've, I've learned a lot, and I, I think our listeners have too, and, and I wish you the best of luck uh, with uh, You Break I Fix. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bill. And, Bill, quick correction. If, if any, any of the listeners do want to email me directly, it's B. Smith. I just didn't want you guys to send an email to B. Smith and, and nothing uh, nothing gets to me. So it's just B. Smith at youbreakifix.com. Thanks so much, Bill, for having me. Excellent. Much appreciated. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 